I had a very strange childhood. I had the worst case any doctor had ever seen. My job is to keep healing. So that is the story. We all have remarkable stories within us. Stories of adversity, challenges, triumphs, and ultimately of healing. This is Your Health, Your Story, the podcast. So I recently had a guest, Brandon Vermeyer on, who is a metabolic expert. We talked about his top three toxins or things that he thought were most dangerous to humans. And mm-hmm. he said it was mold, it was gluten, and it was glyphosate. And immediately I thought, working at a medical clinic and hearing patient cases all the time, that mm-hmm. to- heavy metals would have been in there. Now, mm-hmm. I understand that there are many different things out there we can look at, but when you look at the presentation of so many different diseases out there, I feel like we need to discuss heavy metals, and that's what we're going to be talking on the podcast today about. And to do this, I'm bringing on our own Caitlin Palacostro, a nurse practitioner who's been working with us for about seven years, trained with some of the best doctors, biological dentists, uh, osteopaths out there, and has seen hundreds of patients with complex chronic diseases, and many of them dealing with heavy metal toxicity. So Caitlin, thank you for coming on. Of course, my pleasure. You know, when we talk about heavy metals, let's start with how do they even enter the body? Because Mm -hmm. I know that there are many different ways, and it's kind of crazy that we fabricated a world in which we actually introduce heavy metals willingly Mm -hmm. into the Mm -hmm. body. I'd love for you to go into this, some of those, but what are some of the like most common culprits of heavy metals entering the body? Yeah, so um, there's a lot. Some of the, the key players or major ones that we see at the clinic, I'll just go off of that. Um, or when you do any type of testing, like doctor's data, ZRT, things like that. Mercury, aluminum, arsenic, lead, cadmium, thallium. There's probably 10 other ones that you could find, um, but those are the ones that we generally see that cause the most issue and problem within the body. So for instance, a lot of our patients at our clinic, they're um, more of the adult age. Um, The top one that we see in 80% or more of people is mercury. So when mercury think fish, which yes, it's in fish, especially nowadays, because the quality of food has gone down immensely, which is a whole nother topic, but it's in fish, but a big one too, that people I think are catching on to a lot more nowadays is um, amalgam filling. So Mm -hmm. a lot of our patients have amalgams or they've had them removed improperly or didn't do a proper detoxification afterwards. And if you've ever seen that study from University of Calgary, where they take that little pencil eraser, they gently touch that amalgam Mm -hmm. filling. The amount of mercury vapor that is emitted is is quite gross. Um, And where do your teeth sit? They sit right below your brain, your central nervous system. So all of that vapor, when you eat, when you swallow, when you're brushing your teeth, uh, when your tongue is gently touching that tooth or teeth. Um, it goes into the tissue in your brain and kind of just gets lodged there. And if you don't have proper circulation detoxification, which a lot of people nowadays do not, that can present itself in a slew of ways like really bad brain fog, um, issues with cognition, insomnia, headaches, sometimes to the point of degeneration of Alzheimer's dementia, if you've had it in your you know, mouth for 20, 30, 40 years. Um, it's another things too, like preservatives and medications, uh, antifungals for wood and things like that too, but definitely one of the more common things that we see. And then um, the next, the second highest that we see is aluminum and lead. Um, lead is something that I think a lot of people are a little bit more familiar with back in the day when kids were exposed to lead paint, uh, they were eating paint chips and adults had it in their blood. Uh, not so much the case anymore. It is still a little bit common in that way, but the number one way that you see patients exposed to it is actually water. 
Um, you're in the city right now, Casper. A lot of those buildings are very, very old. The piping is not up to par. So that's a really easy way that water can get contaminated. Um, and then for females, cosmetics, lipstick is like the number one. I know you don't wear lipstick, but I do. <laughs> it's the number one culprit in terms of uh, lead toxicity um, in that industry. Um, but water is probably the number one for lead. And then um, aluminum. Aluminum is in, people don't know this, home decor, furniture, deodorant. Mm -hmm. That's yes, exactly. Um, pots, pans, cooking utensils. And recently over the past um, you know, year-ish, we've been seeing it in a lot of our patients because it's preservative in vaccines. So um, you know, it's just naming off those three. I'm sure anyone listening is probably like, oh my goodness. I use that. I do that. I live here. That's just a few. And then there's um, the the third most common is probably arsenic. Um, arsenic, I think, kind of rings a bell for some of us mommies who um, use baby food. Um, or if you do use baby food, that was kind of a big to do that happened a couple of months ago. I believe it was Gerber found it in a lot of their baby foods because it is in rice, rice cake, cereal, some vegetables, but also it's used in herbicides, pesticides, um, anything with the word eyed at the end of it, really. So you're spraying all of our food and crops with that, and then you're ingesting it. So again, um, not to scare people, um, but just to kind of give you an idea or insight. Oh my goodness, this is literally everywhere. Like we kind of do live in a way more toxic environment than um, we realize. And, you know, that's not even touching on industrial slash domestic cleaning products. That's just to name a few, rattle off a few. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely insane how many things out there are toxic to us and how many things we're using every single day. Mm -hmm. I remember speaking to my father about, it's like heavy metals have a place. They are naturally occurring substances. They have a mm -hmm. place, but they should be in the earth, not in our bodies. In mm -hmm. our bodies, they wreak havoc. Right. And you know, if you've ever learned about mercury poisoning, that's, mm -hmm. that's a huge neurological uh, issue that it affects the brain, right. it affects so many other areas. And sometimes you, you do look at that correlation of what is autism like and what is mercury poisoning look like? Kind of the same thing. And it mm -hmm. makes you wonder a little bit. I'm not saying there is a direct correlation, but there is something to look at there when we look at so many things that are toxic, especially yeah. heavy metals that we introduce willingly into our bodies. Yeah. Now, if someone's out there and saying, hey, listen, I use <laughs> lipstick as a woman, I am around these things. I eat food, you know, in general that may have, I like fish. I, you know, how can one test for heavy metals and is it truly reliable? Okay. So there's three different realms that you should do some type of testing for. I'll kind of go from, in my opinion, not mm -hmm. knocking any of them, but from least accurate to most. So um, the least accurate is probably hair sampling and probably the um, less commonly used. The reason being your, your follicle doesn't always express the heavy metals that are in your, your body, just because metals tend to stay in bone and tissue. So, um, we don't really see that as commonly the second best is blood. Blood has been used probably since gosh, like the 1940s or fifties and definitely more common in terms of lead testing, um, for, we still do that for pregnant women, for kids and for adults. However, again, um, we call heavy metals lipophilic. So they like to stay in tissue. So if you're taking a blood sample, it may not be accurately expressed in the blood. So in my opinion, the gold standard is urine. Um, and the, the best way to practice that is giving a provoking agent before you do a urine test. What does that mean? That just means giving, um, I've, in my opinion, IV, some type of IV chelator. Why do we do that before the urine test? We do that before the urine test because 
when you're giving an IV chelator, it changes that metal, it binds to that metal and makes it what we call water soluble. So that means it will be flushed out in the urine, the kidneys and the bladder. So when you're taking that test, whether it be hour 24, whatever you're, you're doing, it will be a little bit more accurately expressed. Then you can say, okay, whoa, holy moly, Casper, you have really high levels of lead and mercury. And then you kind of go from there in terms of treatment. Now, let's say, because I've heard this before, that it gets stored in connective tissue. It gets stored in fatty tissues. And if you do a provocation test, what you're seeing is what is already loosened out of there, what is already flowing through the system. Mm-hmm. So what about that? What about the people that may have high heavy metal uh, metals in their body, but that's being stored mm-hmm. because that's where it usually likes to go in the brain, in the tissue, connective right. areas. How, how can right. we, you know, how can we uh, account for that then? So you can't um, always when you do something like the, you know, especially hair sampling, but blood sampling and urine sampling, you're not always going to get a hundred percent accurate picture. Um, I obviously have worked at the clinic for seven years. My, my, you know, Bible, if you will, is the BAH because it does look at all this information in the system as to really accurately representing information in the body. Um, so you can't, you can't always get a super accurate picture because you are, you're right. If you have you know, super high levels of heavy metals that are lodged in your connective tissue or your brain or, you know, your liver, your kidneys, and it's not being eliminated properly, you're not going to get hundred percent accurate result. But if you take the test and you're already seeing a little bit of a trend in a certain direction, um, like I said, like high levels of mercury or thallium or lead, you know, that something has to be addressed. And if your body is already starting to push those things out, it's probably in your, you know, above the age of 25, let's say you probably have a little bit more going on in the body. Um, and that kind of touches on too, uh, which if we have time to get to just the whole prop, what I've talked to my patients about for seven years, uh, the process of proper detoxification and supporting terrain when you're chelating. And that is a huge misstep with so many patients that have, I can't even tell you the amount of people that have come to the clinic and said, Caitlin, I've done 20, 30, 40, 50 chelations. I've had these issues. Okay. So you're binding to these metals. That's great but you have, your liver is practically shut down because you have these infections. You, you drink heavily, your diet is terrible. You have these energy imbalances in the liver. So you have to kind of look at everything all together, that holistic picture um, versus just chelating. Yeah. And we'll get into that one second. I just want to backtrack a little bit in saying that you and I both know the best way to really assess anything is through multiple prisms. So if you're mm-hmm. going to do lab tests, if you're going to do provocation tests, we also have things like oligo scan that are more mm-hmm. spectrometry and look at the tissue a little bit. We have bioresonance testing. You have mm-hmm. other ways. So you want to get a full picture. Sometimes one test isn't enough. And that's why we look like looking at integrative and comprehensive type mm-hmm. things and multiple tests to see that and really start to understand whether or not heavy metals are an issue for you. But in most people, they are, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. So Let's get into that because most people, they're going to say, I found heavy metals. I need to Mm -hmm. chelate. That makes sense. Chelation, Mm -hmm. chelators are actually things that bind and take it out of the body. So that makes total sense. But that's not the truth of it, right? Because a lot of times, as I know, and you said for seven years now, those Mm -hmm. chelators can pick up. But if you're not ready to excrete it, it's like my father says that the door isn't open for your organs of elimination. It's just going to get jammed at the door and recircle, right? And keep going and maybe end up somewhere worse. So talk about that a little bit into what is our way or what is your proposed way of detoxifying that's better than just chelation, go, go, go. 
Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, we, uh, in my opinion, anything intravenous is always better because it bypasses the oral route of absorption. And usually that's below 50%. You should always be doing something orally to help with detoxification, whether that's, you know, minerals or drainers, homeopathics, you know, some type of supplementation is great, but um, just going off of what, what I know and what I believe, um, it has to be something that's supporting terrain and detoxing, specifically with metals, the kidneys, the gut, and the liver. Um, you know, if you have a high level of mercury, mercury is a, hu- a heavy hitter besides your central nervous system on the, on the liver. So again, going back to that example of someone who doesn't eat well, they're drinking, they have, let's say, you know, five other active infections on top of their emotional stressors that are affecting all of those things will shut the liver down. Like you said, what, you know, Dr. Schultz says, it kind of just closes that door. So you have those metals that are being bound, but then they're being pushed to, uh, the pancreas, the stomach, the small, large intestine. And then it's just like this snowball effect where things just accumulate. So, um, in my opinion, IV is always best. Every clinic will have a different version of that. Um, ours is a little bit more down the homeopathic route. Um, but you have to be doing something to, to move things along. Um, and when you're moving things along, you're binding, you're moving things along, you're, you're enhancing to some extent terrain as well. Again, going the, whenever we talk to patients, we always say terrain and detoxification, those two things are key. Um, you're not, you're creating less of an acidic terrain, a less hospitable environment for not only other active infections to stay there and manifest there, but the heavy metals as well. Again, when heavy metals just accumulate, 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 you're going to get an acidic terrain. They're going to manifest more and you're going to attract, uh, other infections, usually something like parasitic and fungal as well. Um, so it does look different for other clinics across the board. Um, but IV is usually best, whatever that looks like for, for the practitioner. Yeah. And like you said, it's incredibly important to make those doors open as wide as possible, meaning your liver, your kidneys, uh, GI system, lymphatic system all need to be primed in order for the chelation to take place and you to actually flush these things out. So I know that's something we really focus on, something you just mentioned there that we do. If anyone's listening to this and has mercury fillings, what is your advice for them? Oh, um, come to the center for an evaluation. (laughs) I, um, I, I don't, that's tough because we have patients that come to us, um, with amalgam fillings and thank goodness they did because they come to us and they have, you know, chronic Lyme or like seven infections and they're terribly sick. And we say, thank goodness you didn't remove your amalgam fillings because if you did your body might literally, that could have been the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, and a lot of patients who come to us, who did that, um, IE one of my, you know, close friends who did that, she, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, so that's a little bit tough. Um, if you're a relatively healthy person, you don't think you have a lot going on, don't have a lot of past medical history, surgical history, um, go to a biological dentist, have, you know, get evaluated. Usually with amalgam fillings, you want to do it, you know, by quadrants and small amounts if you have a mouthful. Um, and then usually what we would do for patients, you know, established patients that go through amalgam filling removal is literally after each area that's, you know, um, removed, amalgam fillings that are removed, we have them come in for some type of detoxification. Um, again, a lot of support involving terrain and detoxification. Uh, because again, you know, mercury is, is not nice to have in your body. And if you're removing those metals on top of them, having been sit there for such a long time, um, you're, if you don't do something in between at some point, uh, there's a chance that you might become very, um, 
sick. And the longer you let that stay in the body, that can reveal itself in a lot of, lot of different ways, thyroid dysfunction, cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's, uh, infertility, hair loss, uh, hormonal dysfunction, you name it. Um, you just want to properly detoxify those things out of your body as quickly as you can. Really good advice because I feel like there is no answer for a DIY when it comes to heavy metals. Don't try and do it yourself, right? No. Because some people try that. And even the act of losing weight sometimes, rapidly losing weight may release because if it's stored in there may release and that could even trigger. Right. So it's incredibly important to find someone that could assist you during it because it isn't one of those things that you want to try and test out. And once mm -hmm. it moves and gets, you know, into the brain, then you're going to have real symptoms and you're going to be wondering, wait, why? I thought yeah. I was detoxing, but you got to do it properly. So having that assistance is wonderful information. Now, one last question for you as a mother, are you mm -hmm. worried about your child and heavy metals and how are you addressing that? Um, yeah, I mean, you're always worried as mom, yeah. but, um, I think that I, I'm very grateful and lucky that I have a lot of resources to deal with that. I think the number one way with kids, um, uh, food and diet is a huge one. Uh, it's always best, but fresh is best. And always, I know it's time consuming, but to make everything yourself, um, in terms of medications and other products, if it's not necessary, don't use them. Um, there's a lot of natural ways to go about doing things. Um, you know, I think what you said in the beginning of this, there's a lot of talk, um, especially nowadays, um, and it's totally a personal choice. I'm not saying what side I'm on or what I believe in, but, um, you know, vaccination and the preservatives and vaccination, there's a lot more of that being done and given in terms of the scheduling, the amount that we're giving kids, what's being put in them. Uh, there's a lot of, lot of debate and it's an extremely hot topic about whether or not that will increase the heavy metal load in children as well. So, uh, regardless of what you think and believe, just do your research, um, you know, if you're, if you are concerned about your, your child being exposed to something, just always ask questions, always research, um, and always do what you think is best. Um, but it is, you know, good to just be cognizant of what you're putting into your child and what you're giving them on a consistent basis. Awareness is so key, right? It's, it's those people that aren't aware that sunscreen may have, you know, chemicals in them that are really bad for you and they right. lather it on. It's the awareness that some baby foods may be worse than others. And you're not trying to save money sometimes when it comes to that, but you're trying to, you know, keep your child safe and you could do both. You could absolutely, yeah. some of these things are free. So great advice, yeah. uh, Caitlin, they know where to find you, innovativemedicine.com, Caitlin at nycim.com. Thank you so much for coming on and shedding some light on this really important subject. Yeah, this was fun. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. All right. <laughs> See you soon. Thanks, Caitlin. Okay. You're welcome. All right. Bye.